Um, we were originally going to continue um, and finish our Awakening series. Um, and I, I got a great message that I, I, I believe planned for that. But on Friday, I woke up. Um, and I don't know if it was the heat and the non-air conditioning or the jet lag, but I just felt the Lord wanted me to give a totally different word today than what I'd, I had had planned. And so next week we'll finish our Awakening series. But today I feel just a, 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 that the Lord has just been speaking to me to give this word unto you. And I don't know who it's for today, but, uh, but all I know is that God has just been burning in my heart for, for this word. And so the title of our message today is called Trusting Till the end. Trust until the end. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, if you want to turn to Psalm chapter 20. Psalm chapter 20. And this is going to be our text for today. And this is what we're going to be uh, launching, what we're going to talk about of today. It says there in Psalm 20, it says, In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the name of the God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. May he send you help from his sanctuary and strengthen you from Jerusalem. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. May he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. No, I know that the Lord rescues his anointed king. He will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to our king, O Lord. Answer our cry for help. You know, on Sunday, last Sunday morning, I woke up, and it was a difficult day. Not only was my dad uh, uh, stepping down from the church that he was at, and I don't know if he's going to retire or not. He's 65, but he still thinks there's a life in the old dog, so uh, he's, I think he's ready to, uh, to continue. But we woke up, and it was, uh, it was a bittersweet day. We went to church in the morning, and, uh, and it was a good service. It was like an old-fashioned Pentecostal service. And that's what the church I grew up in, and it's totally different to what we have here at Generation Church. I mean, totally different. But it was a good service. The presence of the Lord was there. And, uh, and, and on the way home from, from church, I asked my dad, I said, Dad, how are you feeling? And he said, terrible. I said, why are you feeling terrible? He says, he says I just feel terrible. He says, feels like my heart's been ripped out that we're having to move on from this church that I've spent the last 25 years. And I said something to my dad, uh, and my dad said something to me. He said, he says, but what I've realized, he said, I've realized that success cannot be defined by one or two years. Success has to be defined over the last 25 years that we've been at this church. He says, the assignment that God has given me, have I succeeded or have I failed, cannot be defined about what is happening now or what happened yesterday. It has to be defined about what has happened over the last 25 years. That same morning when we woke up, I was getting ready for church. And my dad had already gone to church. And we were waiting for my mother. And my dad was like, make sure your mother arrives on time for my last service. 
is my mother, she's got like some problem with time and she cannot arrive anywhere on time at all. It's kind of funny. But we were waiting for my mom and Raquel, she said, hey, honey, come into the room. And so I went into the room and she says, I just got heard some news. And she goes, guess who's resigned from their church? And she told me of the person who had resigned. It was one of my former pastors. And he had resigned from his church. This was a church that he had planted like we had planted in 2003. And in 2012, they were running over 5,000 people. He had just written his first book. And he had got a name for himself. He was becoming pretty popular. The church was doing incredible things. People, new people were coming to the church all the time. And now he had resigned. And the reason he had resigned, we found out, is because he had had a moral failure. Now, for those of you who aren't church folk here this morning, a moral failure in Christian speak can mean many things, but for him it meant an extramarital affair. He'd served nine years, given his life to this church. This church had grown. But guess what? At the end of nine years, he failed. He had failed. And on Sunday night, as I looked at my dad, and they were giving all these honors to my dad, and he was trying to hold it together, so was my mom. You know, that they, they, they never had a church of 5,000 people. They never had a church of 1,000 people. My dad never got really a name for himself. He never wrote a book. But I looked at my dad, and I realized, for the first time in my life, my dad has succeeded in the assignment that God had given him. My dad had finished the assignment, and he could say, I have succeeded. And my heart broke for my former pastor, because I realized that even though he had had success so much, ultimately, he had failed in life, because he had failed his family, he had failed his church, he had failed himself, and he had failed God. And my heart broke. And you know, last Tuesday, we, we were in, uh, Raquel and myself were in London, and we were walking around the Olympic Village, what, where, where the Olympics are going to be. And it kind of reminded me these stories of people in the Olympics. Because well, well, what you're going to find at the end of this month, you're going to see lots of different events going on, and there's going to be some people who are going to start out, and they're going to start, and they're going to do real well at the beginning, and they're going to be leading their race in whatever they're doing. But many of those who will lead their race, eventually they will fall back and they will not finish first, second, or third. And people will not remember that they led the race for a while. All people will remember were those who finished on the podium, who won the gold, silver, and the bronze. And when it comes to our personal lives, I believe that every one of us, we want to succeed in life. None of us want to fail in life. Everybody wants to succeed in life. Whether you want to succeed as an employee, or if you're a business owner, you want to succeed as a business owner, as a mother, or a father, as a friend, or a spouse. Success is what we aim for. Many of us, we have a different different definition of success. For some of you, success to you is making lots of moolah, lots of money. Others, it may be that your kids just get a good education. And you know that you've succeeded if your kids get to college. Others, you may just think, well, success is just staying married. Because, boy, have you seen my spouse? If I stay with this person for the next 50 years, then I've succeeded. 
But many of us, we have a different definition of success. But whatever your definition of success is, there is one truth. And that is this. In your life, there's going to come a point when trouble and failure is going to come. Trouble and failure will come at one point in your life. Going back to the Olympics, there's going to be one, one race that will take place, which will be the marathon. And those people will run for 26 miles. And every marathon runner knows that there is one point in that race where they hit something called the wall. And when they hit the wall, it's like they're running. Then suddenly they feel they cannot give any more. And they just want to lay down and give up. And as the marathon runners hit the wall, so every one of us in our lives, there's going to come a point in our lives when we want to just hit the wall, where we just hit the wall and we want to just give up altogether. You know, we've read Psalm 20. And Psalm 20 was written by a man called David. David was a king in a nation called Israel. And David was no stranger to trouble. David had so much trouble in his life That most of us could never relate. His trouble was very different to our trouble. Let me tell you some of the things that, that, uh, some of the trouble that he got into or he found. Firstly, this man David, he had nations who wanted to kill him and destroy him. He had armies coming into his land trying to attack him and destroy him. Now to me, that's trouble. Then there was another time when his son, his favorite son, his oldest son, decided to betray him. And he built up an army to try and kill and overthrow his father. Now that's trouble. There was another time when David's other, one of David's other sons went into the bedroom of his daughter and raped his daughter. That is trouble. Then there was another time when his wife, called Michael, no longer desired to be with him, but desired to be with another man instead. That's trouble. Then there was another time when this man, he suffered the biggest temptation he has ever seen in his life. And it ended in the birth of an illegitimate child. That's trouble. This man, David, trouble came in the way of a lion and a bear and even a giant came by his way. David was no stranger to trouble. And it doesn't matter what kind of trouble you may be in today, whether it is financial trouble, whether it is relational trouble, whether it is trouble with your health, or it is trouble with your kids or your grandkids or your marriage. Trouble is trouble And this man, David, he knew one thing. He knew how to turn trouble into success. David knew how to turn trouble into success. You know, I've realized one thing in my life. And this week I've realized it even more. That it's not the people who make all the noise. All the ones who look so successful that I need to start to model my life after. But it's the ones through all the years, through all the ups and the downs, through the trials and the failures, the successes and the triumphs, through the times of peace and the times of trouble, are the ones who stay the course and finish well. You know, I've heard many times people say, it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish the race. 
And for many of us this morning, we may be just starting this, this journey of faith. And that's great. And we're, we're, we're passionate about God. And we're passionate about the things of God. And we want to learn more and more and more. But there's going to come a top point in our life when trouble will come. And it's not about how we start. It's about how we finish. And David was a man, even though he had so many failures in his life, David was a man who eventually knew how to finish the assignments that God had given for him. And in Psalm, in Psalm 20, it tells us, Just a few ways that David knew how to finish well. And the first way is this, is that David prayed for success. David prayed for success. In Psalm 20, verse 4, it says this, it says, May God grant you your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. May the Lord answer all your prayers. David knew one thing. David knew that if he prayed to God, God would hear his voice and God would answer his prayer. There was one thing that resonated through the life of David, through his whole life, and that was this, that this was a man of prayer. He realized on his own he was nothing. David realized on his own he was a nobody. He realized that he needed the help of the sovereign God in his life. And the reason we know this is because if you read the uh, the book of Psalms, many of them are written by David. And these psalms are a journal of David's prayers unto God. Now there came a point in David's life when David was young. And David was just a shepherd boy in his father's field. He looked after his father's sheep. And all his brothers were older than him. He was the youngest in his family. And his brothers had gone off to war. And his dad said to him one day, he said, David, he said, here's some food and supplies. Go take them to, my, to, to your brothers who are in battle. And so David packed off his, his bag and he walked along the road and he went on his way. And he found where the battle was taking place. And he left the food with the keeper of the army of the supplies. And then he walked to his brothers to greet his brothers. And as he greeted his brothers, he saw something That terrified everybody. It was a big old giant called Goliath. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's pick up this story in verse 26. It said, David asked the soldiers nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine? Who was the giant? His name was Goliath. And ending his defiance of Israel. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? So David now has walked into the camp. He's seen this this, uh, uh, giant called Goliath. And he's defying the armies of the living God. He's basically calling them all names. He's saying bad things about God. And David is not happy about this. Then in verse 27 it says, And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, the reward for killing him. And the reward was this, that, that Saul, who was the king at the time, would give one of his daughters as a wife to the person who killed this giant. And then that family wouldn't have to pay taxes ever again. 
Then in verse 28, it says, But when David's older brother, Elab, heard David talking to the man, he was angry. What are you doing around here? He demanded. What about those few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. So now imagine this. You've got a whole army of soldiers, big, brave soldiers, and they are scared of this giant. They won't fight him. But then this little punk little kid who's like arrogant says, I'll go fight him. Imagine that. But David says, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Then listen to this. It says, The Lord who has rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. The God who has rescued me from a lion and a bear will rescue me from this Philistine. You know, David was a praying man. And in this moment, David is not on his knees as some of us would think that we should be praying unto God. No, David is praying unto God, but the prayer is a very different prayer. The prayer was this, God will protect me from this giant. That was his prayer. Now notice how he prayed. It wasn't a selfish prayer. It wasn't a prayer, God, give me this reward. God, let, let me be the conqueror. Let me be, be, be the hero of the day. God, I, I've got the faith. Let me do it. That wasn't David's prayer. Nor was David's prayer one of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of being timid. It wasn't, God, just strike down this giant. God, take this giant away from us. That wasn't his prayer either. The prayer that David prayed unto God was a prayer, what I call an active prayer. An active prayer. David was ready to live out his active prayer. It was a prayer of faith. David was ready to get his hands dirty. And if you want success in your life, then you've got to pray prayers of faith. You can't pray prayers that are just timid, that you just hope that maybe God will show up. You can't pray prayers that are just selfish and all about you. You've got to pray prayers of faith. And this is what David did. He prayed a prayer of faith. And he says, I'll go fight him. But this is one thing, God, I ask. Have my back. Make sure you have my back. David was a man who prayed for success. We also see that David was a man who trusted for success. He trusted for success. In Psalm 20 and verse 7, it says there, it says, Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, 
But we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Other translations say, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. You know, if there's one way that you can define someone who is successful, it's this. It's someone who rises to the top when everybody else falls. Someone who rises when everyone else falls. And David was a man who found a way to be successful when his peers were anything but. And the time he killed a giant shows that. Let's see what what happened. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 41, it says, says, Goliath, well, let's start at at, uh, verse, verse 37. It says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented, all right, go ahead. And he said, may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. So now David is, is going to war. He's going to go to battle with this giant. And David puts on what every soldier needs to put on. He puts on armor and he gets some weapons to go and fight. Then David says, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the shepherd's bag. Then armed with only the shepherd's staff and sling, he crossed the valley to fight the Philistine. Then it says, Goliath walked towards David with his shield bearer ahead of them, sneering in contempt of this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared to David, that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And he said, today the Lord will conquer you and will defeat you and cut off your head, and then I will give your body to the men, uh, the, the body of the men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And the result, what happened, was that David, well, was that Goliath was slain and David defeated Goliath. Some men trust in chariots. Some men trust in horses. But David says, I will trust In the name of the Lord my God. Right at this moment, David faced with a giant. Straight ahead of him. And anyone else who would have faced this giant would have got a sword and a spear, a chariot and a horse. They would have got whatever they could to defeat him. But David decided, I've trusted in God before. I've defeated a lion and I've defeated a bear without these things. With just God's help. And if I face this giant, then I will face this giant with just knowing that God is on my side. There was something about David. David realized that he could not fail. 
David realized that if he trusted in God, then God would give him the victory that day. This was a time of national humiliation for the people of Israel. And David knew that only God could help them in this time. David knew that even though everyone else had trusted in the things of war, the weapons of war, he knew he wasn't a soldier. And he knew his success was only in the hand of God. And I don't know what giants you may be facing today. I don't know what things are in your life you may be facing today. I don't know what trouble is in your life today. But all I know is you can trust in chariots, and you can trust in horses, you can trust in armor, you can trust in a helmet, in a sword, and a shield. But those things are prone to fail. But those who trust in the name of the Lord, the Bible tells us that those are the ones who will gain the victory. And this is why, because David, didn't, David prayed for success. He trusted in success. And then David succeeded when everybody else failed. Look at this. Psalm 20, verse 8. It says, Those nations, those nations who boast in the chariots and the horses, they will fall down and collapse. But we, being the people of God, who trust in the name of the Lord, we will rise up and we will stand firm, give victory to our King, O Lord, answer our cry for help. David was a man who found a way to be successful when everybody else was failing. Everyone else was failing. And for the nation of Israel, everybody had failed because nobody else would fight this giant. And Goliath had come and humiliated everyone. However, because David had prayed and because David had trusted in God, David knew that no matter what happened around him, David knew he would not fail. And David went up to that giant with the confidence, knowing that he had prayed and he had trusted in God. And David knew that God would give him the victory that day. And when everyone else had failed and gone down, David rose to the top. And for those people who will pray to God, and those people who will step out in faith for God, those people who will trust in the name of the Lord, it is those people that when everyone else fails, they will rise to the top. And I don't know about you, but I've seen our, our nation and our economy just over the last few months or the last few years. And I'll be honest, our nation is failing. Our nation is not succeeding. Our nation is, a, is not what it used to be. And there are other nations now that are rising ahead of us. And we are part of that. And I see my friends and different ones who, who I know who are failing, failing in their finances, failing in their marriage, failing in bringing up their kids. But those people who trust in God, when everybody else fails, they will rise up and they will succeed because they trust in the name of the Lord. You know, there's one thing, one final thing I notice about David, and that's this. David never intended to be successful. He never intended to be successful. The difference between David and many others is this. David was content in the place that he was at. David was content in the place that he was at. You know, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, 
and verse 10. It says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, and I know how to live with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is on a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or with little. Then it says this, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. That was written by a man called the Apostle Paul, who wrote a letter to his young prodigy called Timothy. And he said, Timothy, he says, I've got to a point in my life where I've realized if I have everything or I have nothing, I have been content in my life. And this was David. David was a man who found contentment in whatever he did. You know, I think David was a man of a split personality. Because there was two kinds of Davids. There was one who trusted in God. And then there was one who trusted in himself. Like I said at the beginning, David was a man. He had lots of successes, but he had a lot of failures as well. And the one, the one trusted in God so much that he defeated a lion. And he defeated a bear. And he defeated a giant. The other decided to hide in a cave. The other became an adulterer. The other became a murderer. The one personality that David had honored a king. He became a king and he reigned for 40 years as king. While the other lost his crown. Lost his kids. And then cursed future generations after him. That there would be bloodshed in their family for the rest of their lives. But I think at the end of David's life. David discovered this one thing. If I trust in God, I succeed. If I trust in myself and everything else, I fail. David wasn't trying to be a success. I don't believe, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't believe that David was, uh, was trying to be this super person who, who everybody worshipped and adored. David had already been anointed to be king at this point, but yet he was very happy tending his father's sheep. He'd become more popular than Saul, but yet he was happy to serve King Saul. And I think so many of us in this life, we just want more and more and more in this life. We're never content in this life at all. And what happens is, because we're not content, we start trusting in chariots, and we start trusting in horses, and we start trusting in other things. And what happens is when we trust in those things, we're prone to failure. I don't think David was striving to become famous. I don't think he had a goal to be the best soldier in the army of Israel. I don't think David planned to become the most successful king that Israel had ever had. No, for David, it was all about succeeding in one area. And the area is this. To serve the Lord his God with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul, and with all his strength. 
I'm going to take a quote from my father. Success cannot be judged in one or two years. Success can only be judged after you've lived a lifetime. Success can only be found when you trust in God. And I ask you today, are you really trusting in God? The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, he wrote this. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. And he said this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness. Which the Lord the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me. But this. The prize is for all who eagerly look forward to the appearing of Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are in your life today. But I want to be like this man Paul. I want one day to say I have finished the race. I have been faithful. I have completed the assignments that God has for me. You know, last Sunday when I heard that news of my former pastor. My heart just broke. He was a man who had so much ability, so much talent, so much going for him. And I pray for him to get back up and finish that race. And then I look at my dad, being faithful and faithful and faithful through the good times and the bad times. Never became this human success that everybody strives to be, but I know in God's eyes, he became or has become a success because he has finished the race and he has stayed faithful. And for those of you today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you've been on this journey of faith a long, long time or if you're just starting this journey of faith. I don't know if you're going through a tough time just with your faith. I don't know if you're going through a great time with your faith. All I know is this one thing is stay the course. Stay in the race. And finish well. Don't just run for a lot and then just give up and hit the wall and say, I'm out. But keep going. Because the prize isn't here on earth. The prize, the Bible tells us, is in heaven. And one day, we will be united with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, and you will receive a prize. And it won't be a a prize like, like we have here. It won't be human success, but it will be the prize of heaven. And it will be a prize that you can never imagine. A prize that will just blow your mind away. But it's only for those who have stayed the course and finished the race. Let's pray.